In 2018, Concordia professor Shimon Amir was honored with the university's highest form of recognition for overall research achievements by being recognized as a distinguished university research professor. As director of the Center for Studies in Behavioral Neurobiology and honorary Concordia University Research Chair in Psychology, Today we join Lauren Segal, a former student of Amir's, and also the advisor of research and development at the Gina Cody School of Engineering. And she sits down with Amir to talk about his illustrious career. Conversation is introduced by Paula Wood Adams, the interim vice president of research and graduate studies. Thanks for listening. We would like to begin by acknowledging that Concordia University is located on unceded indigenous lands. The Kiyunkahaga Nation is recognized as the custodians of the lands and waters on which we gather today. And Chichage, Montreal, is historically known as a gathering place for many First Nations. And today, it is a home to a diverse population of Indigenous and other peoples. And we respect the continued connections with the past, present, and future in our ongoing relationships with Indigenous and other peoples within the Montreal community. My name is Paula Wood Adams, and I'm the Interim Vice President for Research and Graduate Studies here at Concordia. With research excellence a hallmark at Concordia, it's no surprise that our faculty members are among the most celebrated researchers in their fields. From new discoveries to the continued expansion of knowledge in existing areas, our researchers are known locally, nationally, and internationally for their work. And while there are various research awards and accolades at Concordia, the title of Distinguished University Research Professor is unique. This annual distinction is Concordia's most prestigious form of recognition for overall research achievements. It recognizes faculty who have demonstrated outstanding and sustained distinction in research over the course of their careers. They must be recognized nationally and internationally for both impact and leadership. Since the award began in 2018, only eight researchers have been awarded this milestone title. Shimon Amir, a professor and honorary Concordia University Research Chair in Psychology, was one of the first two recipients of this honor. His list of achievements is lengthy, and today we will hear him discuss his outstanding career and notable research with Lauren Segal. She's a former student of Shimon's and is the current advisor for research development at the Gina Cody School of Engineering. At this point, I'd like to pass the baton over to Lauren and Shimon. Thank you, Paula. Hi, Shimmy. Hi, Lauren. Uh, Thank you for asking me to be your interviewer, and it's an honor, and it was such a pleasure to be a student in your lab, and it was my great good fortune to end up in your lab. As you know, it was a bit of an accident, and I think I probably stayed there for about two years longer than I should have because I just didn't want to leave. So it's hard to know where to start when you have such a long and illustrious career, such as you do, but I thought I would take you and the listeners and viewers on a bit of a journey over the course of the events and decisions and landmark discoveries that set you on the path to where we are right now. So without further ado, uh, you did your PhD at McGill and your postdoc at Concordia. Yes. In neuroscience, and you had early success primarily in the field of addiction, where you were looking at opioid use and alcohol. And then 
People probably don't know this about hello you, and but welcome. then you went <clears throat> hello and, and welcome did to the episode clinical psychology of four, and were a practicing hello, clinician <clears throat> for several years before hello coming back to Montreal. The next episode of the Fourth Space Checking In series. Before coming back to Patrick Montreal Latini, to accept a tenure-track position in the newly established Center for Studies in Behavioral Neurobiology, or the CSBN. This week, so he sits down with Concordia researcher Stephanie Duguay and one of her co-authors, Christopher Dietschel, to discuss their new study in the Journal of New Media and Society, looking at how dating apps... Like Tinder, I think it was Bumble all because I had a were quick great to adapt to the new limits my placed on socializing during uh, the pandemic. Studies and how connections, relationships, and authenticity became prized over instant chemistry is a and mutual sexual attraction. Uh, faculty member Thanks for listening. Uh, we happened to uh, meet. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Fourth Space Checking In series. Uh, in clinical psychology, we meet up with Patrick Latini, Concordia's public affairs advisor, to listen in to his conversations uh, with Concordia researchers. The rest is history. This week, I, I he sits down with Concordia researcher Stephanie Dugan, one of her co-authors, uh, Christopher Dietzel, to discuss their new study, published in the Journal of New Media and Society. Looking at how dating apps, in a storm, such as Tinder, and Bumble, and Match.com, were quick to adapt began. to the new limits. Because as an undergraduate student, I wasn't that interested in um, Thanks for listening. Uh, research. I was more inclined to do clinical work, but uh, Zalman, as a clinician and a researcher, showed me the way. And, and this is when it happened, when it started. And that's what I've been doing now for the last, I would say, 50 years. Why Montreal? Because you seem to come back to Montreal. Morning, what was morning, the morning, neuroscience morning, research morning, landscape in Montreal? Well, the first hello, time hello. I came to Montreal hello, welcome to the Fourth Space because, Podcast. Um, this Zalman, is the first episode of our new series celebrating Concordia's Distinguished University Research Professors. The highest honor of recognition for overall research achievement. In this episode, mentor, in this episode, uh, Professor Dr. Shimon Amir Stern sits down with Lauren Segal, his former student and the current the advisor of research and development at the Gina Cody School I, of Engineering. Uh, for various reasons, conversation moved was introduced by Paula Wood Adams, and the interim vice president, in Concordia, and that was <coughs> the interim vice president of research and graduate studies. So I've been at Concordia now Thanks for, for nearly thirty-five years. And was there innovative work going on? You were surrounded by group of researchers in the CSBN. Hello and welcome to the Fourth Space Podcast. Doing interesting work. Montreal is this a is the rich first landscape for collaboration as well. Celebrating Concordia's right. distinguished it was a university really exciting, research professors. Uh, time and, the highest and, form of recognition I mean, this was for overall research. Of, uh, and in this CSBN, episode, Professor Shimon Amir sits down with Lauren uh, Segal, his CSBN former when student and the current I advisor member. of research Zalman and development Amir, at the Gina Cody School of Engineering. The conversation is introduced by Paula Wood Adams, interim vice president of research and graduate studies. Very exciting to me. And that's kind of started my career at uh, Concordia. Before we go any Hello further, and welcome to the Fourth um, Space Podcast. You are a this is the first episode of our new series celebrating Concordia's Distinguished biology. University Research So before we go any further, can you just give a brief description or explanation for those listening who are not in this familiar episode, with the concept Professor what Shimon circadian Amir rhythms are sits and why they're Lauren Segal, important? His former student so and circadian rhythms are those research uh, and daily oscillations or uh, fluctuations introduced in by Paula Wood a host of physiological uh, 
interim vice president and behavioral and graduate uh, processes. Thanks for listening. Uh, that enable animals to, or humans, Boop. organisms, because circadian rhythms are found Hello, in and all welcome levels to the fourth of space biology. Podcast. Allow this organism the to adjust series, well to celebrating their Concordia's external distinguished university research primarily to the, the solar cycle. And so, so those are the rhythms. This is what we can see in this episode. with our eyes uh, or measure in animals. And these rhythms are not a direct response to the environment, <sighs> but rather uh, they are driven is. internally by Isn't that in the clocks original that are called circadian clocks. These clocks drive the rhythms and they What's are synchronized with the uh, external environment, <clears throat> primarily via the light-dark cycle. They are crucial for normal adaptation of organisms to the environment. And they're adaptive, and if do, do, if do, they're do, disrupted, do, do. so disruption of circadian rhythms uh, lead to a host of disturbances and pathologies. So they're really, really fundamental to uh, biological regulation and survival. So the course of research is rarely a straight line. Uh, you're in circadian research now, but I remember when I was a student, just to paraphrase you, and I think actually you were paraphrasing B.F. Skinner. But you said to me once that in the course of a line of inquiry, if something unexpected crops up, that you should drop the first line of inquiry and run in the direction of the unexpected discovery. So what was the discovery that pointed you towards circadian research? Because we saw you didn't start there. And what kept you running in that direction? What was the discovery? That's that's kind of tough to, to pinpoint. There was something that kind of led me to focus on circadian biology, because prior to that, I kind of shifted, I moved from uh, area to area because uh, I was just seduced by science to the extent that I made a finding, I made a discovery, I published the results, and then all of a sudden I found something new and I kind of like got excited about that. And what was, I think that the, the, finding that got me going uh, in a serious way in circadian rhythm was the, it was kind of like almost unintended finding. Uh, it was a, a thought that uh, circadian rhythms can be, well, we knew that circadian rhythms are synchronized with the environment via the light-dark cycle. But for whatever reason, I came up with the idea that instead of stimuli, events that are associated with with light, with the light-dark cycle, can themselves entrain circadian rhythms. Stimuli that initially are not effective in entraining circadian rhythms, but as a result of an associative learning process, they become effective in, in synchronizing rhythms. That, that, that finding was published in a very good journal and, and got nature. me- Yeah, in nature. Yeah. And from and let allowed me to receive a major funding uh, from CIHR to continue to study this phenomenon. Actually, this was, I think, just at the beginning when clock genes were discovered. Clock genes are the gears of the circadian clock that drive circadian rhythms. And this was at the time when clock genes were discovered. And so there was a lot of excitement in the area and the field about circadian rhythms. CIHR found this, this uh, unusual finding that 
we had in the lab uh, and funded my research. And it escalated from there to various aspects of uh, chronobiology and circadian rhythms and the genes that drive them, etc. So that was your 1996 nature paper that really... Really put you on the map and solidified your reputation, also as because I know before you were also looking at thermogenesis and nitric oxide in the SCN as as signaling. But uh, yeah, I mean, before that, we 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 I was very interested in thermogenesis, which is an adaptive response to cold and diet uh, heat production in a tissue called brown fat, and I was studying how this furnace, internal furnace of the body is uh, responding to various external stimuli. We found that indeed uh, the suprachiasmatic nucleus, it's a region of the brain that harbors the uh, master circadian clock in mammals, uh, that the suprachiasmatic nucleus had influences over this brown fat thermogenesis. Yeah, so that was before I really moved to um, focusing on circadian rhythms per se. Okay, so the, the, the nature paper was really what, what sort of solidified, solidified you researching circadian rhythms. So subsequent to that, you were also one of the first to identify and characterize peripheral clocks within the brain. Right. Uh, and that was a really big thing. Yeah. Why, why is that so important? And why, what does it mean in terms of human pathology and human behavior Initially, uh, following the discovery of clock genes, people in the field focused on clock gene expression in the suprachiasmatic nucleus. This is the uh, region that I mentioned before that functions as the master clock uh, that controls circadian rhythms. But once circadian clock genes were identified and shown to be critical for circadian rhythms, it became evident that these genes are expressed in all cells and tissues of the body, not only in the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which functions as a clock, but also in many other brain regions and, and peripheral tissues like the liver, lung, heart, etc. Initially, people weren't sure about what is the function of, of these clock genes, but now it turns out that there are local clocks in different regions of the brain. I'm, I'm particularly interested in the function of clock genes in the brain. So in different regions of the brain that are important for uh, motivation, emotion regulation, uh, addiction, etc., through studies that enable the manipulation, genetic manipulation of clock genes within specific brain regions, it became evident that these clocks are very important for the maintenance of adaptive, uh, normal behaviors and functions, and that in the absence of those clock genes or loss of function of these genes can lead to various perturbations in behavior and physiology. Um, so it became very important to study the nature of these clock genes, how they are uh, regulated, both by the master clock, because the master clock appears to control circadian rhythms in the entire organism by sending messages to those uh, peripheral clocks. So, yeah, that, that really attracted my uh, attention and, and we kind of moved from a suprachiasmatic nucleocentric research to uh, studying clock genes in different regions of the brain. And as you know, you were heavily involved in these research. 
by discovering a very important role for uh, stress hormones in the control of clock gene expression in stress-related brain regions. I have just a last question for you. you you've already mentioned that Zalman was yeah. your, your, your inspiration and mentor. So, you know, I was going to ask that. I mean, aside from your many achievements and recognitions and, and accomplishments, you have an unbelievable training record. And the quality and quantity of students that you've had are just unparalleled. And did your training and, and your experience, how did that influence your approach to training and take on training? So I think I had... Because you were amazing, by the way. Uh, I had four great mentors, Zalman to begin with, but Jane Stewart and Peter Shizgal and Roy Wise were also quite influential in in my work, in the way I was thinking, in writing. Uh, I learned a lot from them. It was natural to pay forward, you know, to to make sure that uh, students that come to work with me will get the best that I can give in terms of mentorship and and resources and and that's the way it's done and that's the way success is built on i cannot do everything by myself it all depends on muscle luck mm -hmm. and good students and good good collaborators and that's that's what i think uh colors my my uh my career i mean the students the students they're the ones who helped me get where i am today I wouldn't be able to do that without students. First and foremost, I have to thank them for my accomplishments. You know, not only in terms of the work that they've done in the lab, but they taught me a lot too. I learned a lot from you, particularly. <laughs> well, Lauren became my students because we had an exchange in the cafeteria and in the hall building downtown. And I challenged her and, and she had the chutzpah to... Uh, to respond, and then uh, I think the same day or a day later, I met her on the elevator, and I offered her to come to the lab, and the rest is history, right? Is that the story? You didn't say please or thank you. Yeah, I know. When I was working at Java U. Yeah. I told you you needed to say please or thank you. It could have gone both ways. I was very, I was very lucky that day. Yeah. Yeah, that's how that's how we met. I always had your coffee ready, you and Jane. And then I was fortunate to end up in your lab. And and Lauren's papers, the, the work that this she's done you. in the this lab, I you. mean, they're very, very highly cited, by the way. I don't know if you know. I haven't followed in a while, to be honest. Very highly cited. So your work had huge impact. And people look at that work. It was an exciting time. Yeah. And uh, your passion for discovery. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. I think it, it was... It's good and it's not so good because that led me to jump initially from area to area and, and you know, make a contribution and move on. But my interest in chronobiology and circadian rhythms has stayed with me for quite a long time now. And this is where I'm going to stay, I think. Good. Thank you for talking to us, Jimmy. My pleasure. If you have an idea for a podcast, please let us know. You can contact us by email at info.4 at concordia.ca or find us on social media at CU Fourth Space. We'd love to hear from you. 
The Fourth Space Podcast is hosted by me, Douglas Moffat, and produced with Anna Vaklebeck. Editing by Chanel Lees Marshall and Maximus Delmar. Social media and web support by Kari Balmstead. And our theme music, courtesy of Supercarmond. Thanks for listening.